Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast with me, Marion Ellis, a chartered surveyor, coach, business mentor, and founder of the Surveyor Hub community. Each week on this podcast, I speak to surveyors and people in the industry about their careers, business journeys, and day-to-day work. Listen to their real-life stories, step into their shoes, and leave feeling connected to the conversation. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Matt Nally from Survey Booker. Hello, Matt. Hi, Marion. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We've edited it out, but it took me about four times to get your name right. So sorry about that. <laughs> um, and you're not a surveyor? No, I, I spent a few months uh, with, with a friend surveying company, but no, I'm not a surveyor by trade. So tell me, or tell the audience why we're having a chat, because we've got some things that we're passionate about, some things in common. Yeah, so we've been talking quite a bit about customer experience, customer journey. Uh, and that's where I've got a lot of interest and background in terms of what I've been doing in the past uh, and what I'm doing now with SurveyBooker. And I think it was the lead response study we looked at um, where we got in touch again to look, to look at you know what I'm doing in terms of customer service and essentially why, why we did it. So um, they're looking forward to talking about that. Yes, for those listeners, I always make me feel a bit funny talking about listeners. Radio DJ listeners, <laughs> this lead response study. So tell the, the listeners about that. Sure. So SurveyBook has been set up to sort of go through the whole customer experience and, and look at the journey and, and different touch points and so on. And when I've always looked at customer experience, I've, I've read a lot of studies around the importance of being first to respond to a lead to win the job or the importance of different touch points throughout you know customer interaction, whether that's with technology, whether that's in person, whether it's a website, whatever it might be. And the more we developed the system and the more I was reading different studies, there's, there's ones in industries like uh, SaaS, uh, software as a service, and they looked at the response times of companies. And I thought it'd be interesting from a surveyor perspective to see how does that equate to the surveying industry? Is it, is it similar response times? Is it very different? Yeah, so this is, this is when customers contact a surveyor to then get a response or get some, not, not to get something booked in as such, but that first contact with a surveyor. Yeah, exactly that. And it was really interesting. So I think it was something like, uh, I'm getting my stats wrong here, but something like 9% responded within a day for, for the other industries. And we found it was 9% within the first hour. We started our inquiry just coming out of lockdown. So, so potentially people were a bit freer, I don't know. But, but we had about just under half, 46% of the surveyors responded within an hour of us inquiring. And that was via email. So we did it consistently with every single firm we spoke to. So you emailed a surveyor to say I'm interested in a survey and 46% came back within an hour. Yeah. And 15% never got back to us. Uh, there could be factors that, you know, maybe we chose a firm that wasn't relevant or did our email get spammed out? I don't know. There's obviously factors behind them. But it was an interestingly high response rate. But beyond that, we started to look at the quality of the response. So how, you know, how, how long was the email that we got back and other factors surrounding how easy it was, was it to get in touch if we weren't going to do that by email. And what was the experience on getting to the website, for example? So there's a, a number of things we looked at. So yeah, in terms of so the, the customer experience getting to us there in the first place, the interesting part for us was actually looking at websites. And um, it's slightly opinion-based, but we were just trying to look at what's the modern website, what's not a modern website. And we said about mm-hmm. 59% were modern in terms of, you know, well mobile optimized and had good images and all that kind of stuff. And then interestingly, we thought only around 28% had a strong call to action. And the call to action being sort of you know a button that stands out to contact or get a quote or read more. And that obviously has a huge impact on 
the flow of, of, of traffic when you get it. It's, and these, these are things to consider elsewhere. If, it, if it's someone finding your number in a, on a leaflet, how good is the call to action on that? Or, but the other interesting part is obviously data security is a big one for us, put a lot, a lot of attention into that. But I think 19% of websites had insecure data entry, i.e. there was a customer contact form, but they didn't have a security certificate on the site. So in theory, data could get intercepted. So that obviously is a factor where more consumers are becoming aware of will they submit that form and if they see it in school probably not so it's all these things along the way that that will affect the number of inquiries you receive and then obviously once they do inquire how well are you responding to it i'm really interested in this because in the mastermind that i run and the work that i do with small business surveyors very often, so, so when I have a chat with people about whether they're going to sign up and you know, be part of it, I'll go onto their website and I'll have a look at their LinkedIn profile because it's important for me that I work with people that I know, like and trust and that I can actually help. And when I look at people's websites, the first thing that I notice is whether it says we rather than I. Yep. So we are a firm of chartered surveyors, blah, 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 blah. And actually they're a one-man band. And to me, that says a lot about how they're presenting themselves, their aspirations. But people see through that. And so if all the pages say, you know, we, 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 us, and then you get to the about and it's the one man, one man band, this is me, this is what I do. In a consumer's mind, there's a disparity there. You know, so, mm, I, yeah. that's a bit odd. The story doesn't flow. Very often I see on surveyors' websites, there's no picture of the surveyor. People yeah. buy from people. I agree with that. A lot of our surveyors talk about their best work coming from referrals. People buy from people. And yet on websites for surveyors, they very, very often they do not have a picture of the of the surveyor. Or if they do, it looks nothing like them. They're a bit thinner on top now and a bit grayer. And yet there's a picture of them back in 1984. And all of that kind of thing, it might not seem important, but it erodes trust. Yeah. And what you're looking to do when you engage with a customer is know, like, and trust. You know, I know this person, I like what they're about, and I trust them to do a good job. And when you look at your website, th- those are the things it needs is to ooze. It needs to ooze why you're passionate about being a surveyor. There is the, the call to action, you know, yes, that simply says, call me if you want a survey or email me, or this is how you get in touch. Some people talk about pain point marketing. So you list all the pains that your customer might be talking about and say, yes, I can solve them. And yep. there are differing views on whether it's right right to do that. I don't necessarily think that's right. I'd rather be more aspirational. You know, but sometimes you look at these these websites and they're not great. And, and I think it's important, the whole, you know, yes, data security, whether it's a secure website, also accessibility, yeah. You know, and how, how easy it is for people to navigate, not just in terms of user experience and, and the tech of flowing through it, but, you know, a lot of the population out there, you know, a struggle with reading. The average reading age in the UK is 11. If you've got neurodiversity issues, sometimes the colours on a website can really jar and plain English, all, all of those things can really make a, a difference. And yet it's the first thing that surveyors, when they set up by themselves, they want to do, I need to have a website. Yeah, And they spend a lot of time putting it together. And very often I see them and they're just not authentic. 
I think there's some there's a real mix of websites I find and it's there's some really fantastic ones that have had a lot of planning on into them and there's there's some potentially that haven't been updated for a while and it's ultimately it's your shop front as you say it, mm. it's telling the story about you it, you know someone's buying into it so if you're walking down the high street and you see a shop front that's um, it started to deteriorate and it doesn't look like they put much money into it in a while you're not going to go into that restaurant for example but the one across the road that's looking nice and there's got people inside because it's looking good obviously more people start going in so i think the other thing is the value proposition that's on the website sometimes it's, it can be quite easy to go onto a website and not as you say buy into that person because it doesn't have much about them it's just i am a surveyor here's a video about surveys and and this is the, the three types of survey and what can get missed i think is that proposition of this is what i'll do for you for this survey um, mm-hmm. and this is what makes my service different and ultimately that makes it easier for your customers to understand you know why they're paying more to use you yeah, and if you if you use the analogy of a restaurant, and I think we might come back back to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go off on, on tangent. You're on holiday in Ibiza or Benidorm, wherever you go, and you're you're walking down the street, there's loads of restaurants. Yes, you're checking out which ones look good. You'd like to know that there's a hygiene rating, but I'm not sure if they have the same <laughs> abroad as we do we do here. <laughs> but you're you're walking down and you want it to look professional you want it to look attractive you want it to look as though you want to eat in that restaurant but you still need to be enticed in and often you have someone stood on the street don't you saying come in come in you know as annoying as that is you know sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't but it is about setting up your your stall but it is only a shop front yeah you know and it is only a path and a route to get people in so when people are looking ask me about surveyors i always tell them to go and have a look on linkedin Look at the kind of things that they're posting about. Look at the kind of things that they're commenting about, because that will give you an idea into their insights and technical knowledge, perhaps, but also how supportive they are of others and whether they're the kind of person that you want to to work with, you want to, to engage with. And that takes it a step forward or a step further, rather than just being a transaction, it's an insurance guarantee. Yep. It's building a relationship. And I'm very much about, you know, the family surveyor, just like you would have the family solicitor or your, you know, your accountant that supports your business. It's about relationship. And that is is severely lacking um, in surveying. It's very, it can be very transactional. On a, an, an earlier podcast that I recorded with uh, Emma Vigas that went out in November, she talked about, you know, she's instructed someone to do a survey. It was about £1,400 and she heard nothing. You know, sort of T and C's, you know, sign up, yes. And then nothing in between. There was no engagement. Now, if there was any other products or service you were buying, you'd want to know where your money has gone and you'd want to know that that things were okay. So that engagement piece and understanding, again, I come back to that know, like, and trust. Really, really important. And so you've got your website. You make it look as jazzy as, as it needs to be but it's only ever a tool and it's, it's, it's the whole engagement process and the onboarding process of, okay, if somebody wants to buy from you, what do they then do? And that's why I was interested when we talked um, a few months ago about this lead response survey, because speed is absolutely key to converting leads. If you can get on it really quickly if you can talk to that person, you can convert that lead. The problem is, particularly for SMEs, they're out doing surveys and they're not all great salespeople and they don't want to be either. But it's talking to the surveyor, talking directly to the customer that usually seals the deal. And there are lots of variables in terms of the 
as as you said in that lead response survey that you did, there were lots of things, factors and things that can affect it. But that whole onboarding process, I think, as an industry, really needs to improve. You're, you're right. It, it, response time is key, and I suppose you have to look at what's going on in the process. Why? So the first debate that gets to talk to the customer is able to say, you know, tell the customer everything new, so they can explain what the different types are, what they do, and, and it's all new information. Every subsequent call that they have with someone is most of the information they've already heard. So you're adding less value. Every for every next call you, you are, so it's important to be first just just from that perspective. And obviously, um, the customer starts to make up their mind. And if they've heard from you first, they'll start looking at the reviews or your LinkedIn profiles. You stay and build up that picture of, of, um, of whether they're happy with going ahead with you. That's interesting. So if you think about that customer journey, which always sounds a bit, I hate saying customer journey. It always sounds a bit. I bad, do as well. But, <laughs> but if you think about that, that you know that that customer or client, I want a survey. You know, you've got to think about where they're coming from and at what stage they've decided to have have a survey. And you'll never know that. There's so many variables, but at, at, at some point they will land with you. And there are some key things that you've got to identify quite quickly in order to then convert that sale and, and seal, seal the deal. And I, the way to do that, I think, is if your website tells the story of the kind of work that you do, of why you do what you do. You're telling the story and they know lots of information about you before they get to that phone call. And yep. so it's almost not a cold call. That's where you want to get to. It's your warm and hot leads. And we, we talk about this yep. um, quite a lot in the mastermind. So it's taking them on a journey to explore and understand what you do before that phone call. And it's interesting you saying, you know, if someone talks to two to three different surveyors in a town, are they really comparing like with like? And it's your opportunity to talk about something different. You know, the way that you do your work and stop comparing yourself to everybody else. I'm sure when you did your your research, you know, they would talk about, let me tell you about the different types of survey, levels one and two and three, you know, or whether I do it or whether I don't, you know. There's a a real mix. We we had definitely some of those emails and we had some that was literally, what's the address? And and, and that was six words long. So you don't, there wasn't any engagement at all or reason to come back. So Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a real mix of, um, of responses. It's just obviously great. It's interesting to see how, how different people respond. Interesting with survey, because the whole premise of the system is, is when a customer searches through your quote form, the email that goes out is, is relevant to your survey type. So in terms of being able to learn more information, you've got that customer's details and, and specifically they've got information about you know, your valuation service or your home buyer reports and, and links to sample reports, anything that you might not want to necessarily put on your website. And it's really useful as a way of buying time before you might be you know, back from a site visit or you know, when you're not driving. So the customer can still learn more about you. They can still engage. Um, there's still processes they can go through. But it buys you that time whilst others mm. might be available to speak to the customer. So, so tell, me, tell me about Survey Booker then and how, mm. it, how it works. Yeah, so it, it, it ultimately is a CRM system for surveyors. The CRM being a, a platform where you can manage all of your quotes for jobs, your customers in one place. It makes life easy. So it's CRM is Customer Relationship it's, Management System, yeah. Yeah. So the system is set up that it can link to your website or with referrers that you work with or particularly generation sites. However you get your leads, they can feed into SurveyBooker uh, and you can choose to provide an instant quote or, or provide manual quotes depending on how you prefer to run your business. Everyone has a different process and different preference. And um, but and ultimately from there, it's designed to cut out a lot of the admin type. So surveyors add value by ultimately by surveying. And that's where the skill set lies. Um, so if you're distracted by multitasking doing terms documents and payments and customer service updates 
um, you'll, get, you'll get them taken away from where you're actually adding value. And there's a lot of studies to talk about how multitasking is mm. um, you know, inefficient and it, and it you know, really distracts you and overall you get less done. So, um, so it's designed to basically sort of automate is the wrong word. I don't like the word automate, but, but simplify uh, and cut out a lot of the processes that you need to do. So you can focus on ultimately like that first conversation with your customer and, and ultimately the, uh, you know, when they've got the report, holding their hand, talking them through it. So you've got the time back to do that. So a customer would go onto the website, say, yes, they're interested in a survey. That would then generate an email yeah. say, you know, yeah, this is what I do. This is what we offer. You know, here's that sort of warm welcome uh, kind of thing. If you want to book in a call, you can do so here, something like that. Yeah. And so it, so it, again, yeah, so it buys you time and takes the customer on the journey until you can get to the lead, I guess, to speak to them. Do, do you, Perfect. does it quote the fee? It can do. So again, it's down to preference. And obviously some people uh, prefer to be able to talk to the customer first but, uh, to justify the value behind you know, why, why, why their fee is, whatever level it is. But you can provide an instant quote but as, as an estimate so that it gives the customer a gauge or you literally can just wait until you've spoken to them and submit it later. Um, so it's designed to take into account that you, know, you might want to just automate everything and go, right, the customer can go ahead and book straight away or actually, no, I like to have that customer interaction beforehand and, and see whether I'm right for the customer as well if the customer writes for me. Um, so yeah, it's down to, to how you want to do it. And there's the opportunities, uh, this is an interesting one we had within the lead response study is how many surveyors followed up on the lead that came in. And I think it was 132 companies we approached, one of them emailed us again. So obviously you know, leads have a value to you, whether it's from a partnership you built with a referrer, you know, that's taken time. Uh, so hang, hang on a minute. So there was yeah. 132 that you emailed to say I'm interested yeah. in a survey. And what was the response rate? So you said 46% came well, back. Yeah, within an hour. I think ultimately it was around 85% over a number of days responded. So 85% came back and then only one then followed up. Yeah, the rest of the survey left us to obviously come, still come back to them at some point or move on. Which is, you know, it, it, the context, obviously we were coming out of lockdown it suddenly got very busy. You mm-hmm. know, perhaps it wasn't important. But I suppose the things to consider around it, that inquiry could have been from a local estate agent who was looking to build a relationship and then got sort of left. So there's other factors to think about perhaps. But yeah, it was interesting. Only wanted less, less than 1% followed up. The system is designed obviously to help you follow up uh, at different mm. stages if the customer hasn't made a purchase uh, to see whether there is something they still need or something you know, value mm. you can offer. Very often, a lot of the clients and my, that I work with, surveyors that I work with, they want to increase their private work. Yeah. So they might have a panel arrangement where they get panelled work, whether that value, whether that's valuation or or survey, but you know they they lose a slice of the fee, but it can be regular work that comes in. But they want more private work, and that's where they need to think more about what we'd call B two C relationship marketing rather than B two B. So you know, yeah. business to customer rather than business to business. And so that's where things like if someone comes on your website and has an inquiry you've got to really take the customer on that journey. If you leave them hanging, they'll just move on. Yeah. For me, it's not always about price and it's not no. always about that speed of response. It can be about that quality of the response. Yeah. So some of the things that I I take my clients through and work with them on is, is the onboarding process. So first of all, there's, you know, how, how does your client find you? Yeah. Um, are you are you visible? Are you accessible on the right platforms? 
So yes, you've got your website, but to be at the top of the Google ranking is actually really expensive. Have you got relationships where you get referred by estate agents or solicitors and it's your choice whether you pay for those referrals as long as you're declaring it? That's important. Are you visible on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram? I'm seeing lots more surveyors go on Instagram. And that's a whole other episode on (laughs) the content that you put out and how you're perceived. I mean, I see some surveyors on LinkedIn arguing amongst themselves yeah, you know, yeah. As a client, do I really want to see that? No, you know, no. Or, or posting pictures of properties that, you know, that clearly is a bit too far. I mean, I'm all for sharing learning, but you know, you, you've got to be mindful of what your client might be might be thinking. Yeah. And so it starts off with how does how does the client find you? And then once they find you, what's that first point of contact? What does that look like and feel like? And I say feel because people remember how you made them feel. Did you feel like you were just, you know, in an automated system, you know, when someone replied back saying, what's the address, (laughs) you know, was the name spelt wrong? Was it in typos in the email? You know, that first impression is really, really important. And very often the first question back from a surveyor is, what's the address and how much is the property? Yeah. That is not the way to do it. The first thing to start with is to give them that warm welcome and share the excitement of, wow, you're buying a property. Well done. Yeah. You know, tell me about it. Oh, look, you know, oh, I'm really excited. You're a first time buyer. Oh, it's really exciting. Yeah. But it's it's also the the stressful point for them. They're they're, they're in the middle of their dream purchase and, you know, they wanted to go ahead. And this could be the pivotal moment where they carry on or they don't. Yeah, I see that a lot in some surveyors, you know, adverts um, or or website. And it comes back to that pain point, you know, it's the most expensive thing you're ever going to buy. Don't take the risk. Have a survey. And that's all very valid. But in starting with your your client, you start with the excitement, that positive of, yay, you know, oh, tell me about it. Love hearing yeah. about properties. And you can find your own way and language of, of doing it. It's not about pretending, you know, and not being you, but it's, it's acknowledging that this is a really exciting moment in people's lives. Now, yeah. it could be that the sale, and that's in terms of purchase, I have to say. Now, it could be that there's something not as positive behind it. You know, property transactions happen because of birth, deaths, marriages, divorce, and debt, yeah. and they will continue to be. So there's a balance there of being, oh, you're buying a house. And like, yeah, I'm getting divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got you've to you've yeah. tailor it. But even so, you know, that's a positive move forward. But they yeah. want to know that you're excited about that property and getting your hands on it and finding out stuff and sharing it. And that that is really key. Then it's a case of talking to clients about what they're worried about with the property. Why did you choose this property? They might say, well, it's the only one I could afford. But mostly yeah. they will say, well, I love the garden. It's got all this green stuff in the back that keeps on growing. You're thinking, oh, Japanese knotweed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Or you know, it's got potential to extend. All of those things. So it's really tuning into what they're excited about and what they're worried about and making a, a, a mental note I think also why they have inquired about getting a survey. Some people, they they may have had a survey before they understand it's going to point out different factors to them. Somebody else might be getting it because they read a blog that says they should get a survey. They don't necessarily much more beyond that. And so actually they're they're trying to understand 
why am I even getting it in the first place? Yeah. And that's at that point of absolutely, you know, why, why, why are you interested? Why did you come to me? What, you know, they might say, oh, I'm, I'm just getting different quotes. Or they could say, well, I noticed that on your website you do, or I was referred by somebody. And then you say, oh, yeah, I remember that property, you know, and it's all about reassuring, 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 yeah. opening that conversation. So they will tell you their worries, their fears, their circumstances. They might say, I really want this property. My wife is worried sick. You know, talk to the wife, you know, or yeah, vice yeah. versa. Because from my experience, my ex- experience and background for those uh, listening who don't know is in defect claims and valuation claims. Yeah, yeah. And on a lot of the cases that I would see, there was that seed of doubt planted at the start somewhere through the process, the circumstances of the, you know, uh, 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 right at the start. And that's the important bit to, to get right, because what you're doing, you know, that no like and trust, you're est- establishing that trust in that relationship and, open also- it and opening the dialogue. Yeah, sorry to jump in there. Uh, yeah, it's also, I think the important part is understanding what some of the expectations are. If you get the expectations wrong in the first place, you don't understand what someone wants. Delivering a report mm. that's going to actually make them happy and, and, and answer their questions is going to be very difficult if you've not had that conversation to begin with. You'll provide a report, it might not hit the, the nail on the head. Absolutely. And we talk about managing clients' expectations in a negative way. You know, yeah. it's that, uh, managing them because I don't do this and I don't do that. And that's outside the scope of a level two inspection. Yeah. When really we need to reframe that. I mean, absolutely. You've got yeah. to follow the rules, the rules that you set yourself over what you can and can't do and all of that. But in terms of managing the customer on that journey, and I've talked about this on presentations that I've done before, you're looking after your unicorns. You know, yeah. unicorns yeah. are... They are beacons of light, you know, they're the positivity and what you're doing is helping your unicorn stay positive all yeah. the way through. And you're so, also going to help them find something. You're yeah, not yeah. And, and, yeah. And so you're helping them find the way. Now, you can tell them bad news, you know, but you can steer them and you can do that in, in the right way. So keeping that dialogue open, yes, explain what you do and how you do it and why you're the best person to do that. And don't be ashamed about, about the way that you promote yourself on that. Yeah. And all of that up front will make a massive difference. Now you can do that through your content. You can do that through your website, through your, you know, your social media posts, and then you reinforce it on that first phone call so that when they then talk about you well, how much is the fee and the availability, it's a no brainer to go with you because you've already established that relationship. Yeah. I, I, interesting. Just go back to one point you made, which is talking about necessarily bad news. And yes, we have to bring up, I say we are not so very obviously, but we have to bring up you know, what, what the points were that were found. And, and actually what is bad news to someone isn't bad news to another person. It's they're happy to deal with that. So it's also understanding what the customer's willing to do when they move in. Some people just want to know it's like a move in, it's ready to go. Others are up for a project and actually they find something, okay, it's something I need to deal with at some point. So the, I think that's con- useful in the context of explaining the survey later as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think though, if you've clarified up front and you've got a good sense of what they're worried about, what they're interested in, you know, you can tailor your report and you can certainly tailor your conversations. Very often I would see complaints or pre-completion complaints where people would say, you know, well, he didn't mention the the cracks in the living room, you know, and they're shrinkage cracks. They're not important. And the surveyor made a sweeping statement. Yes, it's all fine. But you can be a bit more attentive. 
you can certainly do this as an SME rather than perhaps a corporate who might have a particular way of doing things. And you can mention it in the phone calls that you have. You mentioned those those cracks in the living room. Just to let you know, I've had to look at them. Please don't worry. I think yeah. they're, you know, they're shrinkage. It's not something else for you to worry about is, is, is over here. But it's acknowledging and validating their, their worries and concerns. And again, that you're offering reassurance. You've checked it out. When you get a c- complaint or claim, it's a horrible thing. Oh, yeah, imagine. Yeah. You know, we, we take it as, you know, as, as a well, personal personal. slight on the work that we've done. A whole shed load of imposter syndrome comes in as to whether I'm a good enough surveyor or not and should I be doing this. Um, yeah. We can feel quite angry at our clients. I'm the expert. You don't know. And I've told you to get something checked out, et cetera. They're, they're not great. But what customers do when they complain is they don't, they never complain about one thing. They complain about everything and they get it all off their chests. And it's good when they do that because it means it's easier for you to answer and go through and tick everything off. But most of that can be addressed if you have a much better onboarding process. And so, you know, we're saying onboarding, it's got to be meaty. It's got to be a warm welcome. It's got to be comprehensive. And at the same time, though, we're saying, well, you need to do it quickly. And it's all about speed so you can get the deal, you know, so you can get the yeah. client. <laughs> and that's where I think in our industry, we have a bit of a split. Those who want things done quickly and efficiently and those that want to take the time to work with their clients. I think that was interesting. I think that then becomes around the conversation with the customer about why it will take you more time because you take the whole day to do the inspection and then the whole day to write it up. So that's a two day job for you. Whereas someone else might feel they can do the job in, you know, one day, for example, obviously that will affect lead times and so on. But then as you say, the complaints all the end and how people feel, I suppose, again, that's mitigated through, you know, good follow-up through the process that the customer mm-hmm. knows you've been to the property because you've let them know or that you've had to reschedule or when, the, when to expect the report. It's, it's not necessarily how long it's going to take. It's just the understanding of when will it be. It's the unknowns that people get worried about or stressed about. And then um, and I suppose the other, the other part, there's a lot of interesting things that can now be done in the report side, um, you know, add, adding videos in on PDF. Okay, it's, it's an online solution. You can't print out video, mm. but it's that, it, that helps to provide the context to a crack. You know, if you're talking about it as you walk around very quickly, you can say, actually, no, this isn't significant. This one is. But people can see exactly where you're talking about versus text. Or sometimes photos can't always show in the same way. You Um, know, years ago, I trialed something like that. I mean, you know, car companies, BMW and the like, have been doing that for for years, showing the engine and the guy working on the car and and those things. And I I trialed that for a a new product, a new service I was involved in. And we took it's like a standard home buyer and the Sava HCS and a condition report and, you know, molded it. What would it look like if we did something different? And I was keen to get video in there. Yeah. Sometimes it works for some parts. Sometimes it, it, it didn't. One of the things surveyors need to do, you don't need to be a film star by any means. But there were a couple of funnies like we sort of videoed in the loft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was dark. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> or... Um, there was this great, great little video of, um, I think it was a, a, a boiler vent. Uh, no, was it boiler vent or, or some pipe? I can't remember. It was now some pipe yeah. connection outside. I can't remember what it was. And uh, the surveyor had sort of was filming it and he was talking. And then every time he turned to the left, it just went with all the wind. And, all the and wind, came yeah. Back and said, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so there are some practical 
practical challenges with uh, with doing that. But, you know, it's just making it much more interactive. And I come back to that accessibility bit I talked about at the start. You know, we send these big, heavy reports out to people. Yes, pictures can help, but we've got to learn to annotate them. We've got to learn to talk people through them. Now, there are lots of different modalities. Some people are very visual. Some people like to read the reports and want 53 pages of text to make it worth value for money. Um, You know, some people like to, to hear it. You know, and we've got we've got yeah. to account for all of those things. And that's that's absolutely possible. There'll be some surveyors here saying, Oh, that will cost a lot to do, or oh, that's too difficult, or oh, that will slow me down. But that's where technology can really, really help. I mean, even um, away from technology, something simpler I saw was uh, the, 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 the dyslexia font uh, recently. So rather than using you know, Arial, Times New Roman, just switching a different font, it's designed mm. specifically to make it easier for dyslexic readers to, to follow and, and, to, and to read through a, a paragraph. And so that's the type of thing. It's a really simple switch. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a premium font. So I think it's about £30. But once you've got it, you've got it. And then, of course, if you have got a dyslexic customer, you can show that you are trying to make things more accessible and, and easier to read. And, stuff. and there you start off by asking, do you need this in a particular format? Is there anything I can do to make this easier? Asking, would you prefer me to talk you through the report? Are you happy to read it? And we can do all of those things, but we're in this mindset of, well, actually, we, we've got to turn this stuff around quickly. We've got to, there's, we're on the on the track. And largely that comes from lenders and, and the, the turnaround times and commitments there are there. Yes, there's normally a timescale involved because the customer obviously wants to complete their, their purchase and progress their sale. Yeah. But if you took the time to do it properly, you know, you can still get paid for it, but then you do a good job, you know, it's it, you value. Do it your way and it absolutely yeah. adds value. Absolutely. And we move away from this comparison site, right? Race to the bottom. Yeah. Let me go back to the sort of the B2B side. If you're working indirectly for a, a client, I mean, that type of information still should be available to you. And if, you, if you're on a system that allows you to see the customer service notes, then you, provided obviously they've had that conversation there shouldn't be that disconnect even on the b2b level where the report can't be submitted in a, in a certain format so i think there's, there's i've got a lot of interest in how you know data can be connected up between people i'm talking about data that's even in terms of those customer service notes rather than it necessarily being you know how many bedrooms it is and all that kind of stuff but um, i think data sharing is important for that value as well if you know if you've got teams that are working remotely at the moment with covid and aren't able to have that quick chat in the office before they head out then you know you need to be able to see what um, the context behind what you're doing. Hmm. You mentioned with Survey Booker the idea is it reduces admin. Yeah. Now there are a lot of uh, small surveyors, small firm, micro business surveyors out there who don't have any admin support. Yeah. It's often seen as a, a cost, yep. you know, yep. to get a v, to get a VA in, and I really challenge people on that because if you've got somebody in who can organise your diary answer phone calls, sort out your your paperwork, it can l- literally leapfrog you and in, you yeah. know to a much better place in terms of running a business. A survey booker and tools like that are tools that can enhance that. It can never replace a human individual. And if no. you do have an admin person, there's no reason why they can't still manage that process using a tool like survey booker but they can add value you know they can do the first phone call yeah you know lots of corporates do that yeah that's a very interesting point so it's designed to work for 
individual surveyors for, for the larger firms. The idea is, I don't think anyone really adds value when they're doing admin. So in a particular surveyor, obviously, your value add is going on site, finding the problems, analysing them and, and providing the advice. In the same way, for if you've got an admin member, their value is when they're speaking to customers and finding out that, that information that we've been talking about. You know, what, what are they looking to understand or do they have any special you know, requirements that would help them out? So they're spending time doing terms, documents and payments and you know, emails, all that kind of stuff. They're not having those conversations that are ultimately what's going to win you the business and help you get the better outcome. So, yeah, that's what it's designed for us to cut out. If you can send terms that are personalised in a clip that are relevant to the survey and if you can automatically receive payments and not have to spend time checking it off, then you can just be answering the phone to the inquiries that are coming in more quickly. It always surprises me how many surveyors I come across who don't use things like zero or a QuickBooks for their accounting. It's all done on spreadsheets and, and paper. I guess part of it is just knowing the possibility of what's yeah. out there, not being distracted by the shiny things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I see, I see that an awful, an awful lot. The tech, we need to have SEO on our website and everything else. I'm like, Actually, no, you need to. <laughs> yeah. You know, Be the right text first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, but there are a lot of surveyors out there who are probably. You know what? It, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Why introduce something like this? Yeah, I suppose it's the, the process will ultimately work for some surveyors and it won't for others. But there's there's obviously different customers in the market and how they want to be serviced will, will vary. So even as a surveyor offering a very tech-led process won't entice someone who doesn't like tech. But equally, if you're someone that loves tech, you're not going to be I think, as engaged by someone that isn't. So there's that to take into account. But I, I think it's, it's ultimately, I think prop tech, it generally has a uh, often a negative connotation to it in terms of it's impersonal, in terms of like, all the word automation can anyway. And it's it, it's not about automating and removing you from a process. It's about uh, you know helping to to give you back time to focus on things. But you know if if a process works for you that you're you know using spreadsheets and and, and the business runs perfectly and you're not losing customers and so on, then perfect. Carry on. It, it, it's, Sometimes it's about working smarter. And if yeah. it frees you up time that actually you can keep for yourself in terms of well-being, not necessarily taking on additional jobs, then that's no bad thing in my book. You mentioned prop tech, and that's something we talk about a lot in the industry. Yes. Saying. I'm not sure how much we talk about that in the residential valuation side. True, true. We do talk about it in terms of tablet technology and site notes, comparable tools and systems for, for doing the job. And what I like about Survey Booker is this is concentrating on ways that you can improve that that customer journey. You bring yeah. bring you know look at the other parts of of your business, you know, and yeah. how you can engage with your customers better. Well, we're looking at more we can do as well, rather than just specifically that process. We're looking at how we might be able to bring in property data reports, so making that information more accessible around you know flood risks and and soil types, all that kind of stuff. So that. And that can work in two ways. When you're having a conversation with your customer, you've got a report straight away where you can go, I know about your property. This is everything about it. It's got this type of mobile coverage and so on. But when you're coming to do your reports, again, rather than spending time, you know, going online, researching different websites, trying to find the information, it's there. So you can spend time analyzing and not finding it. So there's a lot we're trying to do around integrating a lot more of the processes throughout the survey into the system. There's a real movement on that in sort of upfront information through the whole home buying and, and home buying and selling process and that things yeah. that can be done better and quicker and smarter because it does take forever to buy a house 
typically, and there's therefore there's a risk of it of it falling through. For surveyors, the worry is that the more information you have up front, actually that affects your reporting because we can't rely on assumptions and things that yes. we we didn't know. If we look at it as well, how do we get the best for our customer so that yeah. they can move through the host buying process with ease? And as our shiny unicorns set them up for success, then we should be doing everything that we can to move them forward. Yeah. Really good to talk to you today, Matt. Thank you very Thank much you for your always. time. Thank you very much. It's enjoyable as always. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really do love hearing your feedback. So please feel free to drop me a message. You can email me at marion.ellis at blueboxpartners.com or you can find me on social media at Marion Surveyor.